Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Raj Punjabi, head of identity content at HuffPost. And I'm Noah Michelson, head of HuffPost Personal. Welcome to Am I Doing It Wrong, the show that explores the all-too-human anxieties we have about trying to get our lives right. So Raj, where would you say your level of expertise is when it comes to coffee? Oh my gosh, I love coffee so much, but it's pretty low. I would say I'm like a level 2.5 girly. I know a little bit, just enough to, you know, say some cute things in conversations, but not more than that. <laughs> what about you? I know nothing. I only started drinking it maybe three or four years ago. And, and then it was only like to give me something to do at work when I didn't want to do my work. I would mm-hmm. go get a coffee. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't good coffee. And now I've gotten to the point now where like I like a latte and I only need, you know, two splits. Instead of 12. Mm -hmm. But I know nothing. So this is the ideal episode for me. I mean, I do want to ascend to like coffee nirvana because even just a little bit of it makes me really happy. So lucky for us, today we are chatting with Sumi Ali, veteran barista and co-founder of Yes Please Coffee Company, whose whole vibe is democratizing the fancy coffee universe. Let's democratize it. I'm here for it. Hi, Sumi. Thanks so much for being here today to talk about how we can get our best buzz ever. Thank you guys for having me. Um, Love the podcast. Stoked to be on it. So excited to have you. Let's get started. Can you first, for a little context, tell us about the first time you fell in love with coffee? Yeah, I think I have a kind of unique experience in coffee. And that is my folks were operators and eventually franchisees of Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, back in the 90s. Amazing. So I kind of grew up behind the counter of a Dunkin' Donuts in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My first like vivid memory was take, being taken to work at 4 a.m. and my mom put me on the stool and she she just told me, every time I tell you to grind coffee, you hit this button and you grind coffee. And the smell of just grinding like Dunkin' Donuts house blend in like 95 was it just like seared into my memory. So oh my I think God. that was the moment where I like fell in love with it. There's this Eater article where you call yourself a rock star during the time that you were starting to really handle coffee when you were a barista. 
Can you tell me a little bit about that time when you were in your, you know, 16, 17 years old? After being subject to child labor in my parents' Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> my first like real job, official job was working for this small chain of coffee shops um, just outside of Chicago. And my first job was in the Naperville Public Library running this little cafe that was in the corner. I think it's like vending machines now, but yeah, I showed up. I just needed a job. My manager spent five minutes showing me the ropes and, and then he was like, okay, I'll be back at the end of the day. And he just left. And so it was, it was like trial by fire, I like suddenly had a line and, and was just going for it. And, you know, it helped me build confidence as a service person because you just like learn how to make things work. And I think, you know, I learned quickly that focusing on service is probably a better path for me than trying to nail the drinks. I knew I was going to suck at making the drinks, uh, but I knew that I could like, at least like chum it up and make people feel good. And it was kind of my fallback. And at that time it was like, you know, in our suburb, especially with Starbucks and caribou coffee and Duncan, and that was it. So to be a teenager who's like making this craft thing by hand and learning how to pour latte art and, and early days for that stuff, like, you know, specialty coffee shops, these fancy coffee shops at the time were still making like frappuccinos, like, mm. and to, to kind of be exploring this um, craft world in the middle of nowhere was like, kind of made me like a celebrity. I could just like have all the homies come after school, post up at the library and I can like hook them up and make cool drinks. And we could just like kind of own the spot. Um, so it felt crazy. I was like, Oh, this is, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I thought it was like the coolest thing. I thought I was like a movie star. Your whole vibe is about removing the pretension from coffee drinking, right? So you start to talk about how you get there, but can you tell me why you want to remove the pretension from coffee? A little pretension never hurt nobody, right? Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's for sure. I mean, it wasn't always like that. That wasn't always my vibe. You know, I'm definitely guilty of like trying to make coffee fancier or perceived to be something more special. I had the great fortune of being able to open a coffee shop in Atlanta as a teenager. Like someone just wrote a check and threw me the keys and we were just so pretentious. Uh, I mean, like we called it an espresso bar cause we like really didn't give a crap about brewed coffee. And that it was like a real afterthought, like intentionally mm -hmm. an afterthought wow. just because we thought we were so cool. But, you know, I think that comes from like, we were all chasing Starbucks at that time, like this craft coffee movement, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I think we probably pushed it too far. <laughs> A lot of that, you know, ended up being this, this general, I don't know, I guess pretense is the right word of, of coffee folks, just making it so freaking hard. And, yeah. and it's like, it's, it's really not that hard. It's like mostly water. Yeah. And yeah. it's for sure a deep rabbit hole. And like, if you're down to explore that rabbit hole, like do it, it's fun. It's crazy. But, you know, I always tell people like have a slack line, be able to find your way back out because it's easy to get lost and it doesn't have to be hard. You know, it's like, it's like cooking at home. You could, you can make a good hamburger with pretty minimal effort, or you could try to make a Michelin experience in your house. It, it could be whatever you want it to be. And I, I definitely joke about pretension, but I really do love that you want to make coffee, good coffee accessible to everyone because really like not saying venti and saying like medium or small is a radical act of resistance. Like fuck <laughs> this shit. Like I'm going to drink what I love and, you know, get to the core of it. So yeah, let's, let's get to the basics. Why don't we just start with beans? Yeah. Like let's start from the bottom up and start with beans. Can you talk to us about like the spectrum of beans, like the roast spectrum 
from one end to the other and what makes, I guess, a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, something I'm probably going to fall back on or, or I want everyone to kind of believe alongside me. If I, if I can like cult leader trick you into believing one thing, it's like, just drink what you like. Mm. Like no matter what I say or what I think, it's like, if, if something's working for you, you like it, like, no, don't let anyone tell you you're wrong. But you know, there's, there's a lot of spectrum and, uh, variants in coffee. And I think like most people think of roast, you know, like light roast, dark roast, medium roast, mm-hmm. espresso roast, Vienna roast. So like a lighter roast, all, all it refers to is like how long the coffee is spent in the roasting machine. Okay. And so when we get coffee, it's this dried seed of a cherry. It's like these little green, unbeautiful little coffee beans. And we put them in the roasting machine and you know, you, you cook them. That's what it is. It's just like cooking a steak on cast iron or, you know, there's different types of machines, but, uh, it's more about how much you cook them. So like a dark roast is like, well done. Or a light roast is like medium rare or rare. And I think most coffee people probably, uh, and myself included lean towards like a lighter roast coffee. That just lets the coffee's like intrinsic flavors come through a little more, you know, it gives you a little more um, range to explore uh, flavor with how you brew it or how you dose it or kind of the fun part of coffee. But, you know, if you start to go really dark on a coffee, it's really hard to taste anything other than dark. It's mm. like, you know, a burnt steak. This is so funny because I feel like dark roasts are marketed as the sexiest ones. Mm. Like, am I, I feel like a brooding Scorpio because I like a dark roast. But now that you're telling me this, it makes sense. I, I, I love the I love the steak comparison because I think yeah. most people would say like the best way to have a steak is like medium rare. Yeah. And if you are doing it dark, then you're ruining the steak. So it's yeah. an interesting comparison that I haven't heard before. Even if you're not a meat eater, I think, you know, the, the analogy carries. It's just, it's like, is eating a well-done steak bad and mean you shouldn't eat a steak? Like, no, it's mm-hmm. your steak. You bought it. You went to the grocery store, you bought your steak, like eat however the fuck you want mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and enjoy it and don't let anyone tell you you're wrong. But we start, we lean towards like a medium-ish, light medium-ish um, range because you know, it's it's still easy to brew, easy to work with. And you can get a little more nuance from the flavor is what totally, you're saying. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I think, I think part of the marketing of dark roast is like this perception of like, it's stronger. Yeah. Um, and like the flavor can definitely be more assertive, but from a caffeine level, they're usually not oh, more that's good to know. caffeinated than a light roast. Um, you know, a lot of that is just taken out with heat, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so yeah, if you're looking for something stronger from a flavor perspective, a dark roast can definitely do that for you. It can be that more classic coffee flavor. Okay. And we're going to get into what fair trade and ethical coffee looks like. But first, we want to talk about organic coffee beans for the sake of our taste. Should we be paying attention to organic coffee beans? Like what is what's what is that? Generally, no. It's a tricky question, right? Because we like we all love organic foods and we love the commitment from food producers or retailers uh, on abiding by organic standards, but coffee production is really expensive. At the end of the day, having the organic certification is a process of paying for the certification and doesn't necessarily mean that a coffee that isn't organic isn't grown with organic practices or 
without uh, regenerative farming practices or any of that stuff. So typically in coffee, I would say you don't need to look for the organic label. I think if you're working or if you're buying coffee from, you know, small roaster who's, you know, buying high quality coffee, um, you're probably already buying organic coffee or something that's pretty close to it just doesn't have, you know, the, the farmer, the producer, the co-op didn't pay for the certification process or the roastery didn't pay for it, which is also extremely expensive. Um, it can be a headache, but you know, I think, I think my rule would be like, if you see a bag of beans that has the farm or the farmer, or the co-op or someone labeled as like this coffee is coming from this, these people or this place, um, that's a pretty good indicator that it's high quality. All right. So before we get to, you know, the whole making coffee at home, because I really want to know more about that. Um, where do your favorite coffee beans come from? I have to know. If you ask any coffee person, probably they're going to say Ethiopia or East Africa. Um, it's like the origin of coffee. That's where it came from. And those coffees are like these beautiful, dynamic, delicate coffees. But I think I stray a little bit because I think the, the question is really specific. Mm-hmm. I think if you're, if you're asking me what, co- where's my favorite coffee from, I'm going to say Ethiopia. But if you ask me like, what do I want to drink every day? I'll probably say like an exceptional Colombia or Guatemala. And I can drink that for the rest of my life. Why? Yeah. Like, why would you say that for your, you know, why would you say Ethiopia? But then why do you like Colombian or Guatemalan better? I mean, the most beautiful Ethiopian coffees are these kind of vibrant, intense coffees and they're really delicious, but like, man, I drink like three or four cups a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think like a good Colombia, good Guatemala, something from like Central America still has all of that like vibrant dynamic range, but is also like sweet and easy to chug. And like most of the time I'm like on the go running this company and just chugging coffee. I like that. I like like a good drinking coffee. I think of one place that a lot of people are, are making coffee now is at home. You know, my boyfriend gets up in the morning. The first thing he does is make himself a coffee. So we wanted to talk to you about tips, tricks, things about doing that at home versus in the coffee shop, which we'll get to. Should we be grinding our own coffee? Is that important? Short answer is yes. If you can grind your coffee fresh at home, like do it. I Like even if that means you're using, you know, a 10 or $8 blade grinder, like do that. If you have the cash, I think the best place to spend the money on gear, like coffee gear can get crazy. You can buy a lot of stuff. Um, but a grinder's really, I think a good place to start. Pretty sure there's a very good HuffPost article on, um, what grinders you should buy. Mm -hmm. Just a little plug, but yeah, (laughs) thank you. Having the ability to grind your own coffee also gives you this fidelity. You can control like how fine you want the coffee. So, you know, if you want your coffee a little stronger, you can grind it a little finer. Or maybe you, it tastes a little bitter, so you can go a little bit coarser. So it just gives you like another tool to to play with. Um, but yeah, grinding fresh makes a huge difference. It's going to be like way more aromatic. The flavors are going to be way more pronounced. Um, even if you're, you know, grinding, smashing beans with a hammer in a bag, like do that uh, over getting pre-ground. If you can't, if you can't, then... You know, have this stuff pre-ground. If you're already drinking pre-ground coffee and you buy whole bean coffee and ask a coffee shop or some a neighbor to grind that bag of coffee for you, it's going to be better um, than having it pre-ground in a can that sits at the grocery store for six months. All right, Sumi, I have an exercise I want to do with you. I hope you'll indulge me. 
let's say that you meet someone who is as clueless as I am. And I'm like, Sumi, I have $100. Will you come to my house and bring with you like the things that I need to make a good cup of coffee for under $100? What are you going to bring? And you don't have to use brand names or, or anything, but like, are you bringing me a grinder? Are you bringing me a certain coffee pot? Are you bringing me a certain kind of beans? What are you doing when you show up Saturday morning? So fun. That's great. That's a, This is fun. Um, <laughs> I would definitely bring you a grinder. You know, I think hundred bucks is is good budget because it's tough. I would bring you a grinder. I would probably bring you. Uh, I would ask you if you have a way to heat water. I'm assuming you probably do have mm-hmm. a reliable way to heat water. So I don't need to bring you anything special there. Um, I bring you a French press. It's just so easy to brew a French press, and who doesn't love French press? True. That's kind of pour water, forget about it for four minutes, and then drink your coffee. Um, and that'll bring you some yes, please, for sure. Um, but but really, any any high-quality, fresh roasted coffee from your favorite local coffee roaster. And we'll just start there. And it's like, let's just talk about what the grind should look like. You know, I kind of get everyone to start at aiming for, like, a coarse table or, you know, coarse sea salt. It's, like, a good place for, like, the grind particle to be. And there's some, some tricks on how to do that with different grinders. Um, Raj, if you're using a blade grinder, a good trick is to pick it up and shake it and just pulse it while you do it. Oh, so you get a little more a little even. martini action. <laughs> well, exactly. Just a little zap, know. zap. Feel special. Yeah. Um, you'll just get something a little more even. But, you know, I think for a hundred bucks, we're, we're sniffing at the burr grinder category. Um, mm. Maybe not the highest quality burr grinder, but leveling up from a, from a blade grinder to a burr, burr grinder does make a big difference. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Raj, I've got a question that I've been asking myself a lot recently. Tell me. Am I investing wrong? Ooh, I see what you did there. But I'm sincerely asking because look, I have investments. I have an account here, a 401k there, and I'm really lucky I don't have any crushing debt. But until recently... I haven't had the confidence that I've been doing it right. I know what you mean. We all want to make sure we're making good financial decisions, not just doing whatever Susie Orman told us to do 10 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. But that's why I've been using Yahoo Finance. Tell me more about it. Well, with Yahoo Finance, I've been able to consolidate all of my accounts into one place. And I got to tell you something. It's been so much easier. Okay, Yahoo Finance. It's giving nostalgia. Absolutely. You know, I found Yahoo Finance to be incredibly helpful for tracking everything I need with all of my money. And as you probably know at this point, I'm quite wealthy. I know, spiritually and literally. I am not a wealthy one percenter yet. So would the service be good for me still? Oh, 100%. Yahoo Finance is good for everyone, from the very seasoned investor or just a normie like you who's looking for a little extra guidance. It gives you all the tools and info you need. So if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like Yahoo Finance will give me a holistic look at the financial news cycle, original editorial perspectives, and so much more. That's exactly right. And let's just say Yahoo Finance is going to be the perfect place to link all your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. Hell yeah. I cannot wait to make it rain with the help of Yahoo Finance. (laughs) So for comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. Yahoofinance.com. Once again, that's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Am I Doing It Wrong? Does it matter what we drink coffee out of? You know, with wine glasses, it was a champagne glass, a white wine, red wine. Is coffee going to taste the same if I'm drinking it out of a paper cup versus a special tumbler? Or do you have thoughts about that? I have a lot of thoughts about this. Uh, (laughs) um, There are some companies that are making like specific uh, drinkware for coffee um, for exactly this reason. I think if you're like in the rabbit hole and you're down to explore that, like do it. I have an eight ounce mug. I got my wife got me almost a decade ago that just fits my hand perfectly. The handle is good. I'm going to use that every time. So, you know, for me, it's less about getting so caught up in how to optimize and more about like, for me, it's like the last time I spend fussing over the thing. And I'm, I'm a very fussy person. I obsess over new hobbies and that kind of stuff. I'm like, coffee isn't that for me anymore. So I just kind of want to like, uh, minimize the mistakes and just set it and forget it as much as possible. I just have to say on this note, I totally get that you don't need anything special to like aerate coffee, but I have um, like just an insulated mug that I use because there's nothing grosser to me than yeah. lukewarm coffee. Yeah. I don't but, know. that It's just so, so gross. So it keeps it like hot, hot for 10 minutes longer than a regular mug. And again, like just like quality of life shit, you know? Yeah. It was like $12. I love that for you. Thank you. I I love that. Like I tell people all the time, like make a quality of life decision. Um, But, but on that point, like, you know, I think it's fun to play with. Like we shouldn't be afraid of having fun with Mm -hmm. the coffee. It's like, 
I don't know if you have one of those like electric whisk- whiskers, those little, you know, zap zaps. Yeah. I don't know. Aerate your coffee. See what it tastes like. See if you like it. You know, if your coffee gets cold, microwave it. See if you yeah. can notice a difference. I, I, I'll be honest. I microwave coffee all the time. I was going to ask about that because yeah. I feel like I hear people say like, that's, that's not a, a thin, good thing to yeah. do. But so you're just like, do it. Yeah, do it. I mean, if it's like gross to you, then don't do it again. Right. I love these like very smart kindergarten based lessons. So much permission. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. If, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Yeah. I have a question, but I'm going to start it with a story. Um, so my friend in college, she had never had coffee before she went to college and she started drinking it. And she started having a lot of like really awful physical symptoms um, and she couldn't sleep and she was losing weight. So she went to the doctor and they were like, okay, well, let's check off what could be wrong. Are you drinking a lot of coffee? And she's like, no, two a day. I'm like, okay, well, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, come back. She comes back in a month, still having problems. And they're like, are you sure you're only having two cups of coffee a day? Mm-hmm. And she was like, two cups? I'm having two pots. And they were like, oh my God. what are you doing? You can't have two pots of coffee a day. And so my question for you is, is there a limit to how much coffee we should be drinking? You said you have three or four cups a day. Do you feel like that's probably and a good place to stop? This is non-medical advice. Like of course. what you think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Non-medical <laughs> advice. Um, definitely. Uh, if, if your health is in a place where you're visiting your doctor because <laughs> of your coffee habit, like review your coffee habit. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone's tolerance for caffeine is different. There's, there's some people who can have a glass of wine and be fine. And there's other people who metabolize that wine in a certain way and, and they, sure. they aren't fine and that's okay. Um, so I think like find your, find your balance, find your limit. I don't think it hurts to have a conversation with, you know, your doctor, if you have one, if you got a good, good relationship with your doctor, which I hope you do. Um, just ask like, hey, is this too much? Like, are, are the things that I don't understand in check? Am I good? Uh, I think that's okay. Uh, there's definitely, a line for everyone. And I regularly cross it. <laughs> Raj, how many cups do you have a day? Okay. I have, I have one and a half to two every day. And it's um, mostly because I don't want too much of a good thing. Like uh-huh. I crave it more than that, but I kind of want to keep it as this treat for me, like not a thing that's always in my hand. So you don't need it to get up because I also have no friends, I do need it. I need it first thing it. in the morning I'm you not I'm not alert or awake like I knock shit over like mm-hmm. I, my partner knows at home that like don't we don't have conversations <laughs> till the coffee has been you know ingested right right what about you so this is my other secret is that for a while my treat was to get a cold brew at like 3 30 mm-hmm. um, in the afternoon at work when we used to go to the office because it was like oh the day's almost over yeah but I started around four o'clock having these panic attacks no. and I had no idea why. And someone's like, you're an idiot. You're drinking cold brew. Like there's so much cold caffeine is like in injecting that. coffee beans into your veins. It's like, <laughs> yes, yeah. literally. So I just realized I'm super, uh, sensitive to caffeine. So now I drink a lot of decaffeinated coffee, which mm-hmm. is another question I have for you, Sumi is I've also read that the process by which they make coffee decaffeinated is toxic uses chemicals not good for you so like I feel like I was in this place where I'm like should I just deal with the caffeine because it makes me nervous but it's not killing me potentially or should I do the decaf because I feel better but maybe I have all these toxic chemicals in me what do you know about caffeinated versus decaffeinated coffee I love this so much. And I was just going to ask you guys if you've ever experienced like that over caffeination feeling where your skin is crawling. I hate it. Oh, I like it. 
it but if you're ever too to far over the edge a good barista trick is to have a banana oh yeah i don't know exactly the science behind it but i think it's like the potassium really helps like level the 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 rush the caffeine high i love that because um, i want to have a xanax <laughs> like, yeah. that's what i want to eat uh, if you, if you ever xanax hit, like a break glass in case of emergency just find a fucking banana okay and it's just they'll help you at least come down a little bit and, okay. and, and regain your sanity um every barista knows this well um it, it is tried and true i love an but, insider tip yeah i mean look I, i'm the same boat the older i get the less i can handle caffeine and you know coming up it was like in the early days like yeah decaf was gross and it was like it was it was gross from like when it was processed all the way to like when it was served Bruises mm. didn't care about it roasters didn't care about it that's usually the coffee that like is roasted first in the day just because the machine isn't really that hot and ready and you can kind of who cares it's decaf um but since i've become really sensitive to caffeine you know i've turned a lot of my focus on on making decaf nice and i think a lot of roasters have there's a lot of really good decaf options from roasters i think you know in the vein of like if you're looking for these smaller craft focus roasters you're going to see a lot of um decaf that's processed with either you'll see water processed mm -hmm. or um, ea or sugarcane processed which are more natural ways to process uh, decaf they don't use that methyl methylene chloride chemical that traditionally decaffeinated coffee uses um, and they taste so much better so look for sugarcane ea water process and it would coffees. say that on the package of coffee beans yeah usually yeah okay or you wow. can ask you know most if you, if you walk into a shop and, and pick a bag off the shelf, the barista should know how it was processed. Okay. And if they don't, go to somewhere else. I guess my question then for, you know, so much of this is based on your own personal tastes and preferences. And I, I like that. Again, you've given us so much permission to, to like the things we like. Yeah. But if you're going to go into a coffee shop, whether it's a Starbucks or it's a fancy coffee bar or it's a bodega, maybe not a bodega, yeah. but a, a coffee <laughs> shop, what is the one thing that we can do to ensure we're going to get a good cup of coffee? Is it with our order? Is it something that we see them using? What's going to sort of signal that like... The back call. This is such a good question. Though. Yeah. Like what's what's that one thing that we're going to we're gonna want to do to get that good cup of coffee? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, for me, I usually just ask the barista, like, what what is your favorite thing? Like, no, if you get a cold brew, right, mm -hmm. you're probably going to get a cold brew everywhere you go. So... It's pretty easy to just get a cold brew and say, I like this. I didn't like this. Um, you know, like uh, we tell people all the time, like you, you're smart enough and your palate is good enough to tell the difference between shit and Shinola and just trust it. Like if it doesn't taste good, it's probably not good. And that's okay. And that's it. Um, so we, we, you know, that's kind of my rubric. It's like, I'll try something. If I don't like it, I'll tell the barista, like, Hey, I thought I was going to like this. I don't like it. There's something we can do. I'll buy another drink, what, whatever it is, or trade with a friend, uh, as long as everyone's healthy and safe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's a tougher question to ask now, but, but it's also, yeah, if you were to go into a wine bar and you're not necessarily a wine person, like you're just going to ask like, mm -hmm. Hey, you're the professional. Maybe this, these are the two things I like about certain wines. Surprise me, help me. This is my budget. Um, treat your barista that way. They should, they should be able to help you. 
This is a theme actually for this for this entire show. We've yeah. heard this from so many of our experts. The, the number one thing to do is ask. Talk ask to someone, people. Talk, talk to, to humans. People, yeah. And that's how you're going to get the best whatever it is you're trying to get because they're probably the expert. Like you said, the barista should know what they're what they're peddling to you. Totally. I, I have a question for you guys because it's like one of my favorite things about our business and it's when you guys are buying something online but for the for the sake of this argument coffee so you're buying coffee beans online versus in a shop do you feel like you would be more willing to ask the barista for advice or help in the coffee bar or would you be more willing to just like respond to an email and be like how the fuck do i make this oh like mm. do, so are you asking like having the conversation virtually or in person yeah. Uh, me always in person. Yeah, me too. I just love other people. I really miss talking to other humans during the pandemic, I think. Yeah. And they think they give you like more authentic answers. For sure. I think so. But I think a lot of people are going to say online. Totally. I think everyone wants to do everything online now. It's true. There's like, also the anxiety of like talking to someone. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. It's real for a lot. I know, I know of friends who won't order a pizza. They only will order it online now, which that wasn't a thing before. But they don't want to talk to anyone on the phone. They don't want to interact with the person delivering their food to their house. So, yeah. Yeah. It's I, I think I, I agree with you. I think the nice thing about the era we live in is that you can pick. I mm-hmm. mean, we'll, we're a hundred percent online and we're like all hospitality people. We love service. That's the thing we love the most about coffee. So we kind of felt like maybe we're going to lose that by starting this business. But actually what we found is like people who email us, like we can be way more candid with, mm. we can take mm. way more time to respond to them. And, and they're in return, way more confessional to us where they're oh, like, nice. look, I don't give a shit about the water. Or I don't, yeah. I'm not buying a grinder yeah. where like if you're in a coffee bar, there's like all this pressure. Like I got to say the right thing. My barista might judge me. I mean, hopefully that's not the case, but it does happen. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's in- interesting. Uh, you know, we love, I love talking to people online. About I can see questions. that. Email yeah. us, please. Yeah. Whether we are in a coffee shop or we're buying a bag of beans at the grocery store or somewhere else, how do we know that we're buying coffee ethically? What does that even mean? We all want to spend money wisely and fairly nowadays. I mean, hopefully always. yeah. Yeah. This is a tricky subject to cover in coffee. I feel partly because coffee's always been held to a different standard than other foods. You know, it's like you can buy some oat milk that's like in Tetra pack, like the worst packaging for the environment. But like if the coffee bag isn't compostable, like everyone's up in arms, it's, it's Mm -hmm. a really tricky balance for coffee. And I think first, if you're working, if you're buying coffee from smaller roasters or micro roasters who are putting, you know, a lot of thought into what they're buying and how they're roasting it, that's like a great first step, you know, like your local fancy coffee bar, quote, fancy coffee bar, or like you can find a million of us online doing it. I probably shouldn't say that, but (laughs) there's a lot of us doing it online. Um, Check people's frequently asked questions page pages, email, like, Hey, where are you buying your coffee? How do I know it's ethical? If they can't answer that question, like it's good. I think that's a good place to start. I think that avoid Kopi Luwak. That's one of those coffees that I would avoid. That's um, coffee that's, I mean, this is a rabbit hole, but Kopi Luwak, Luwak is um, coffee that comes from like a civet. So it's like the, the idea is that these 
wild animals would eat wild coffee and they'd only pick the ripest cherries. And then that coffee would be harvested from their poop and oh, wow. roasted. But that's turned into this like this high-end luxury brand. And now we have these practices of these animals being raised in captivity and force-fed oh, coffee. Oh, God. So there, there are definitely like ethical concerns across coffee. Um, yeah, there's, there's other kind of premier brands of luxury coffee from around the world, like Jamaica, for example. And it's like the amount of coffee sold from Jamaica is more than the amount that's grown in Jamaica, which is um, hard to, to understand. So mm. I would say like avoid it, just, just work with smaller roasters who are clearly like give a shit um, about who they're buying coffee from. Even if they're not buying coffee directly from the coffee farmers, they're probably working with um, importers and exporters and purveyors who are sourcing high quality coffee and working with these producers on a long-term relationship-based way. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sumi, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Anyone that's like new to coffee or think they know everything about coffee um, besides the beautiful thing you said about just drink what you like? Yeah. Is there anything you feel like we didn't hit on? Mm. No, I think, I think that's a, that's kind of generally my vibe is like, have fun. It's like, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be homework. It could just be something to do. I encourage everyone to try to make coffee at home just because you'll see how easy it is. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't go to coffee bars. Coffee bars are amazing. I think be promiscuous, try many roasters. You know, I think, we, we definitely have a, our own style, which we lean on and we like, and it might be for you. It might not be, and that's okay. Um, so, you know, I think treat it like an ingredient. This this is so much more like making Easy Mac than it is like performing heart surgery. It, it can be that. If you explore the hobby. If you, if you want to become a hobbyist, like do it. There's so many good resources and fun things to do. Just like establish a baseline of like good beans and a recipe that you can fall back on and you'll be safe. Love that. Me too. Thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun convo. I don't know what would bring us together again to talk about, but I hope it happens. This was fun. <laughs> Me too. Love Me too. It. Love yeah, it. for sure. Now it's time for Better in Five. These are our top five takeaways from what we learned from Sumi. All right. So although a darker roast sounds very sexy, a lighter roast typically is going to let more flavors of the bean come through. And we want that. Number two, if you're going to buy one thing to make coffee at home, make it a grinder. Number three, the best way to find a coffee you like is to talk to someone who's actually making it. So the barista, the grower, the roaster, anyone you have access to. Number four, one of the easiest ways to buy coffee ethically is to look for smaller coffee purveyors. They're going to tend to have a more intentional approach to their beans. And number five, ultimately, as Sumi drilled in, drink what you like. Don't let anyone else's opinions affect you. So Raj, tell me, have you been doing coffee wrong? I mean, absolutely, I've been doing it wrong. But Sumi made me care less about whether I'm doing it wrong. I do have to say, if I'm this happy with that $8 Amazon coffee grinder, I do want to get a fancy expensive one when I can, because I will literally transcend into Beyonce hood. You're going to level up. I am. I am not. I'm happy with my just latte that I get before the dog park and it's delicious and creamy and a little bitter. 
Like, that's where I'm at at this point. I love this for you. Me too. And I like that Sumi also loved it for me. He yes. was like, just enjoy what you're going to enjoy and don't worry about the noise. I love it. And I needed that. We all do. Anyway, until next time, as long as there are things to get wrong, and Lord knows we've got a lot of them, we're going to be right here to help you do them better. Love you guys. Do you have something you think you're doing wrong? Email us at amidoingitwrong at huffpost.com and let us know. <laughs>